You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm the uncle brother, cousin, half brother, Midnight Wolf. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. More to come on that later. <laughs> yeah, so welcome back. You know, even though it's now November, we just feel like we haven't got enough Halloween. So we're going to give you another spooky episode uh, and, and, and talk about some stuff. But uh, first, what are we smoking this week, Brad? So uh, this our week, our uncle cousin or whatever your, yeah, was, your I, I don't name was—I don't know. I got—I <laughs> got confused. Fell down the rabbit hole. Oh wait, speaking of rabbit holes, uh, we're actually smoking the Diesel Whiskey Row Sherry Cask. Yeah, we did a review of the the standard Whiskey Row uh, earlier, but now they've released the the Sherry Cask, which is also like the uh, the previous uh, one. Uh, aged in rabbit hole bourbon barrels, which I've still yet to pick up any rabbit hole whiskey to see how it uh, pairs with its uh, cigar of its its name. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, with this, uh, you're going to get a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, Nicaraguan fillers, and the barrel-aged Brazilian Ara- Arapicara? Yeah, binder. I-, I feel like we we Googled that name for so- it, that tobacco was in something else, and like I said, it was one of those things It's like, Every once in a while you see a word that I'm like, yeah, let's see how Google says that that's supposed to be pronounced. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know. Pronunciation, not all my thing. Um, for anybody that listens to this show, probably is well aware. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, um, I, I guess right off the bat for me, um, very cedar, uh, little pepper spice, and... Uh, Probably more medium full on this cigar. This is closer to the full flavor side of things. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's you know supposedly uh, kind of a dark fruit, uh, woody, chocolatey, peppery uh, flavors. Yeah, it's like I said, it's the sherry doesn't make it like overly sweet, but it is kind of a little bit more sweetness than the, I guess, uh, the standard like, uh, whiskey row. Like I almost feel like. Um, not really a fruit, but there is a almost like a, a, a subtle like sweet dryness that yeah. kind of pokes through, but it's not like uh, where we've had other aged cigars or infused cigars. It's nowhere near as prevalent as um, as some of the other stuff that we've smoked, um, or like um, like the Kentucky Fired Cured. You know, like that, yeah. the, the, the smoky charcoalness was very heavy. This is, you know, just maybe a, a mild sweetness just to be like, huh, there's something a little bit unique and different about this cigar. It's almost like a, like a date, like, you know, something like a, like I said, a, you know, n- you know, not that super like fruity, but like, a, like more of a, I guess like a bittery fruit. Yeah, I don't know. Like I could, um, I could see this probably pairing well with you know something that had um, a little bit of you know sweetness, like drink wise. Um, I think would pair really good with this cigar. 
Or, hell, maybe even a sherry. <laughs> Speaking of sherry, the reason why we pick this kind of kind of go with this episode is we're going to talk about Rob Zombie's newest film, the the sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, Three from Hell, starring Sherry Moon, a zombie herself. So we we figured that's uh, eh, a a good rough uh, <laughs> pairing of our theme. <laughs> yeah. And if you're going to go after three crazy serial killers escape from prison, you should call in the Strike Force. Strikeforceenergy.com. Use your promo code CigarNerds for 20% off your order. And if you happen to be escaped from prison and on the run, they come in the tiny uh, tin pouches so they're easier to transport. So they don't you know, weigh you down when you're fleeing to Mexico. You just put them in your prison wallet. Yeah. And while you're in Mexico, they pair nice with tequila, margaritas, whatever else you want to put them in. It's better than a Jaeger bomb, you know. Throw your energy in whatever you're drinking. Make some of those bad Mexican cervezas taste a little better with some uh, some strike force in it. <laughs> Give you that energy for that killing spree. Alrighty, so I guess uh, with that, we'll be right back. Oh! Oh my life, I wanted to be somebody and here I am! that in the movie but hey that works yep so talking about rob zombies revisiting of house of a thousand corpses and devil's rejects aka three from hell which is funny i saw a uh, hey do you feel like house of a thousand corpses was made 16 years ago yeah, that was the, that was part that kind of hurt my soul a little i'm like <laughs> god damn i'm old like <laughs> i don't remember Golly, if if off the cuff somebody, yeah, didn't that come out like you know six or seven years ago, not sixteen? Yeah, it's one of those that like I see it again ever so often, so it doesn't seem like it's been that long. It was like when I sit down and I watch this twice, and second time through, I made my wife watch it, and when when a baby comes on the screen for time, she's like, "Man, she looks like so much older." I'm like, "Yeah," because that movie came out like. 17 years ago <laughs> yeah like it's it's crazy like to to think about because i i don't know i mean i guess for me uh you know i i've house of a thousand corpses holds a special place in my heart just because i am such a big fan of texas chainsaw massacre and pretty much everything related to ed gein for you know anybody that knows me um <laughs> You know, he was kind of the, the basis for the bone furniture and, you know, uh, the, the dead skin mask. And Speak, I, mean, I was watching uh, 
like on Halloween, I'm like, I need to watch a horror movie. So I sat down and rewatched the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it was on Netflix. And I noticed in the credits, the guy driving the semi truck at the end that, that tries to rescue the girl, his name was actually Ed Gein in the credits. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. And then when they strap her down to the chair and the, the, the armrests are in the chair, or actual arms. I'm like, for some reason that always makes me laugh. So I'm like, that's a literal armchair she's in. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, <clears throat> just kind of paved the way. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's really hard for me to, you know, talk about these films and not talk about, you know, so many of the roots that, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I still love the debate when people are like, oh, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's a real thing. No, it wasn't. Just, you know, some <laughs> of the... Was, it was, like, kind of pre-internet marketing but, I mean, where that's... it's, like, based on a true story and, all, and like, it's... But that's brilliant because that's exactly what Rob Zombie kind of did with Three from Hell. Like... Yeah, it's, it's one of those that's kind of, like, so old that, like, people, you couldn't just Google to find out that I mean, that it was almost like the Blair Witch Project. Uh, yeah, like... Blair Witch back in the early days of the internet that was the marketing on that was just absolute genius. I don't I haven't seen a viral marketing campaign like that since then where you believe the horror movie was was real and, and you know didn't know any better for like months. I mean hell there's still people that probably think that first Blair Witch was a <laughs> was actual cuz that was the first like found footage film. Like now yes. like a bunch of people have imitated that shit, but back in the day that was like kind of an original thing. But yeah, I mean, I I love the the whole like mockumentary you know story build up you know that all of these films sort of have in common and you know that's that's something that you don't really see you know in in films too much nowadays like you know now like um like the the, the uh, Halloween the newest Halloween movie did it a little bit where they had like the podcasting element of it but they didn't do it like this where it looked like a documentary to start off. And even, you know, they kind of digitally made the, I mean, the whole thing was shot on digital, but he added that fuzzy grainy filter to make it look like it was shot on film. And it seemed like before, cause like what do you say? The first 20, 30 minutes of the movies, all part of that weird documentary until Otis actually escapes. And then it shoots. Well, so I started exploring. It, it looked like the... it almost changed. Like it looked, grainier during that when it's also to be like you're watching this on tv and then when it switched to live action it it was still grainy but less so i think it, so i think the, kind of cool if i remember correctly the events of the devil's rejects was supposed to take place in 78 yeah and you know they've been locked up now for 10 years yeah this is so this place would like be 80, 80, 80, 89 yeah. but you know like a lot of people have been complaining it's like man there's there's nothing about the 80s in the film but it's like you've been locked up for a decade you have no clue what the 80s are actually <laughs> like so i think that's why like you know so much of it is still feels like the 70s woodstock era yeah because i mean hell they even still that clowns hippie van so it like even though it now we're in the 80s it still had that same house of a thousand corpses devil's rejects 70s feel to it even the weird warden guy and his absurd wardrobe that dude looked like he was straight living in the 70s especially yeah. with that sweet sweet mustache he had <laughs> but at the same time like there were certain shots that i was like this just screams 2019 like you know like <laughs> 
you know, like, there would be certain parts where, we, you know, you would see, like, the outside of the prison and stuff, and it's like, no, that's that's not a 19, you know, 70s, 80s looking prison. <laughs> that's 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 too modern. <laughs> yeah, but the, the way visually it changed after it stopped being a mockumentary, and I, I like the, the, you know, fan of Barry Bostwick and his voiceover, too, narrating the, you know, the documentary you're watching, you know, and it gets to the point where, you know, we're kind of jumping on, but when Otis escapes and he's like, you know, the filmmakers that, you know, this warning, this footage is from the actual escape and the filmmakers that encountered this did not survive the encounter. <laughs> and, but then like, cause like it's, it's grainy to make it look like that seventies, eighties movie throughout. But the, when you're watching the mockumentary, there's little like just kind of f- pops and flares that, Makes it look like you're watching it on a TV in the 80s. It, it, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it, they cleaned it up a little bit when it stopped being a, a documentary. but and, and that was also kind of a cool way to catch us up on what's happening. Because if you remember Devil's Rejects, it ends with them riding into a hail of bullets. Which, into a, like, I gotta be 100% honest. Like, if it ended there, you know, I would have complete closure, you know. Yeah, like, I mean, it looked like... It ended, and I don't, I don't think Rob ever intended to go back and do this because that, I mean, that was such a kind of a cool ending until I guess he came up with an idea he wanted to do. And I even saw an interview with uh, Bill Mosley uh, from like some of the behind the scenes making of, and he was sitting there with uh, with Sid, and he's like, for years we'd be at conventions sitting together, and people were like, "Hey man, are y'all gonna make another Desert's Rejects?" And I'd always look at Sid and say. Hey Sid, are we gonna make another Devil's Reach? And be like, "Fuck no, we all died." <laughs> but I mean, that's that's kind of the crazy thing. Like, you know, they they start the documentary, and um, I guess uh, I guess spoiler alert, sort of here, because it's it's you know obviously we by now news has spread. We lost you know Sid Haig in real life. Um, you know, so to go ahead and answer the question, yes, he is in the film. No, he does not have the capacity that he did in the previous films. Yeah, um, he's kind of in it briefly, and from some of the interviews I've seen with with Rob, it kind of drastically changed the story of the film, because originally he wrote it for him to have a much bigger part, and as they got within weeks of starting filming, you know, and he you know, met with him, they realized that his health had deteriorated to a point where he wasn't going to be able to participate as much as he had planned so that's when they you know kind of added the new character of uh uh foxy <laughs> the midnight uh, wolf <laughs> What's, here, uh, yeah winslow foxworth coltrane aka the midnight wolf as one of their just kind of random half brothers that you know broke uh otis out of prison and it, you know, so I'm like, I'm interested, you know, maybe he'll release it as a comic book or something, what his original plan for this movie was. With, yeah, with see, Sid. I would like to see, you know, like, you know, what the original, because I mean, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses, like, dude, you know, Spalding stole the show, you know, I mean, yeah. tutti fucking fruity, and I mean... You know, I every year at Dragon Con, you see somebody, you know, cosplaying Captain Spaulding. Like, <laughs> just about every haunted house you visit has some variation of a Captain Spaulding. Like, and he was such just a, like a big, larger life character. I mean, how I met him once in Gatlinburg at a haunted house up there. He was doing an appearance on a Friday the Thirteenth, and such a good dude, and like just kind of a larger than life character. 
and when you see them at the start of this movie, you know, with the mockumentary where they're interviewing them in prison and man, you can tell he was, this was like the last thing he filmed. Cause he, I mean, he just looks so much smaller and I'm like, yeah, you could just tell how frail and everything else he'd yeah. gotten and how much, you know, the health had deteriorated at that point. But, but still like what little he's in the movie. Cause they, you know, he end up, they write it in that he was executed by lethal injection at some point. And then of course Otis breaks out and, and the story picks up from there, but yeah, where he's, it kind of reminded me of a little bit of like, especially Otis's stuff from the mock, like Manson interviews and stuff like that, where they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we were, you know, we were just, you know, the, you know, what is he? He's like, I'm your fucking grease painted clown. Jesus, you know, hung up here to, to, for your sins. You know, it's like, he's, you know, they kind of played it off as like, nah, we're just, we're just a tool of, you know, the man's trying to put us down. And, you know, we did all this to, you know, as kind of a revolution and, and whatnot. And it, it kind of built up, you know, in, at least in the documentary, the made them all into heroes and, and, and well, I mean, that's the thing. People is, were like, nah, they're, they're not bad people. <laughs> well, so, I mean, you know, that, that's kind of remind me a lot of like some of the stuff on Manson back in the day. Yeah. And that's, I think, you know, why all of these films have such a special place because yes, these people are doing horrible things and you should absolutely be wanting them to be in prison, but you know, Rob writes them in such a way that you end up rooting for them. Like, yeah, I mean, like, it's like the perfect anti-hero. Like, yeah, every other horror movie, you get the, the virgin girl or something that has to survive these, you know, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger that survived the end were, these movies have done something different where the bad guy is the hero of the film. You're, you know, waiting to see how they get away with all this shit. And you're like, we can all relate. Fuck the man. We don't know who the man is, but fuck (laughs) him. Yeah. Just, just those two like black Panther type dudes. And it was like fucking captain Spaulding's the man. He knows what's really going on. He knows what his country needs. You know, captain Spaulding says, fuck you and your government. (laughs) Which I think, you know, once again, just really kind of, you know, signals the, the the times and everything else, and you know, I I don't know. I mean, that's that's what's so great about these. You know, the the era that they're set in, but yet, you know, people modern times, you know, can relate as well. <laughs> oh, and then the yeah, so the the documentary has all the <laughs> the interviews. That interview with Otis in the present, very much. I was like, is that dude just like straight copying? Uh, freaking Manson because <laughs> his prison interviewer he's like hello America do you miss me I mean goes from having like a kind of a like you know a debate like hey man I'm I'm not a bad guy I'm just another dude pressed by the by the system and all that and then he looks at the camera and just goes like full bat shit like you know he's like dude you're already dead I mean just, his just rambling which is funny is his rambling in prison you're like oh dude's like but when he gets out now nah, that guy's actually very smart and very calculated, you know, his, well, I mean, that was the thing is, you know, he was always, you know, I mean, uh, baby has always just kind of been reckless sense of abandon. I mean, I think, you know, the, the baby, the immaturity of the group is, you know, pretty much fitting for her. Um, you know, Otis has been the, the calculated, you know, planner thinker, you know, make shit happen and keep the ball rolling. Um, you know, and, not get everybody fucked up in the meantime. <laughs> and I got to say the dynamic of the group has changed in this film too. Cause it's like 
you know, Spalding was always kind of the father, but at this point, Otis has kind of become the leader of the group when he's almost just like taking on that dad role of, you know, yeah, of trying to keep the family together and yeah, keep them like at this keep point, let's keep our head down and, you know, keep moving and, you know, not. <laughs> and I got to say, Sherry, uh, Sherry Mood Zabi, she, she took baby a different, a different way in this film, which was kind of interesting to watch where previously she's been the kind of the free spirit, you know, childlike person of the group where this, all the killing and stuff is fun, but 10 years in prison and not just She's prison, but, fucking but, crazy. <laughs> but solitary, you yeah. know? And I mean... Ten years of solitary confinement where she is off her... F- like, crazy to the point where even Otis is like, this bitch is kind of crazy. <laughs> well, so, for me... Like, when crazy says you're crazy, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> um, I don't know. It was almost like, like there was a fine line, you know, the way the character is written, because... Like, it almost was at that point to where, oh, dear God, like, kill her off now. Like, this is <laughs> annoying as hell. But at the same time, like, when it was time for her to do some badass shit, like, she did badass shit. And you're like, hell yeah. Like, I mean, it, it almost reminded me of, like, a, a fucking Harley Quinn or something. Like, yeah, you know? very much like a Harley Quinn. Because especially once, once, uh... Freaking Otis escapes, and his escape is kind of cool. Where it's like that's the end of the mockumentary where he gets in a. Yeah, I didn't think they let people on death row in a fucking chain gang. Yeah, and that that was the kind of the odd thing, right? So he's like... in a chain gang, and he's sitting here across from Danny Trejo, who played Rondo, which was one of the two bounty hunters from Devil's Rejects that captured them and turned them over to the the sheriff that tortured the shit out of him and tried to kill him. Which I completely forgot about that until I went back and, because it's been so long since I've watched Devil's Rejects. Because he's like, hey, you remember me? He's like, no, should I? He's like, you will, motherfucker. <laughs> and ends up off in Trejo. I'm like, well, so much for Danny Trejo in this movie. <laughs> but I mean, that was a great, like, I don't know. Like like you said, completely unrealistic because nobody on death row is going to be out, you know, working the chain gang. Like, <laughs> I just don't, like... I don't know. It's kind of crazy to me how, like, Baby gets the 10 years of solitaire, you know, um, <clears throat> Captain Spaulding gets the lethal injection, yet somehow this dude gets a life sentence and is doing community service. Like, <laughs> <laughs> shit just don't add up. But, you know, I mean, there there were certain things like that that kind of took you out of the story, but I understand. you got to keep the ball rolling. Yeah, it's on. like any horror movie. If it, if it wasn't for a shitty prison guards like yeah most of these guys wouldn't get out for a sequel (laughs) so i mean it was uh yeah definitely rather uh rather interesting um (laughs) but then yeah the whole but i mean that basically sets up the the plot you know of hey now i'm out i gotta get the family back together um putting the band back together but before we get into uh otis's you know planning and and prison heist movie the stuff of baby in prison like i said when it kind of it starts off with her going to her first parole hearing and that sequence of her just walking down the hallway and then playing like you know freaking cool music and she's just like grin on her face like in her head she is like the star of some like fucking weird ass show it's like 
Like I said, she is so crazy. Like I said, when, and like when she comes in there and well, is like... Well, I mean, I, I, you know, so in, you know, like, let's just talk about serial killers in general, right? So, you know, is that oftentimes not the purpose of the nature is to rack up such a high body count or to do something so morbid or disturbing that you know it gets you national attention and everything else like i'm sure there's some people that are just off the rocker but by and large a lot of people you know are looking to achieve that eternal kind of celeb status right if you bring up you know manson you bring up Gein, you bring up Dahmer. you know those guys have had so many movies so many books so you know like their legacies, you know, for the horrific events that they caused and the things that they did are, you know, going to be continued. Like, that's what we're still basing horror movies on today. Like, yeah, she kind of like, so like I mean, said, I think like Harley she, Quinn. she ultimately, you know, hit the, the TMZ, you know, roadmap of success. Like, yeah, like, like you mentioned, uh, her reminding of you of a Harley Quinn. Yeah. That kind of, especially that interview with the parole board, um, you know, reminded me of something you would see out of a Harley Quinn where she sits down and is like, I'm the star. She's like, he's like, you uh, committed uh, 157. No, no, that was 158 uh, acts of violence while in, in prison. The last one with a, with a improvised weapon. She's like, Hey, you know, I gotta do what I gotta do to survive. Otherwise the grim reaper is going to pull up in his big back Cadillac and go get in bitch. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, well, do you think you should be free? She's like, look at me. Of course. So, all right, well, what would you do? I would be Snow White in the forest playing with all the animals. I mean, just fucking completely. And then when they're like, yeah, five more years. She's like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> and then gets up and breaks the fucking guard's nose and shit. But then that, like, sequence where the guard tries to get revenge and, like, locks her in a room with, like, two big violent inmates. And it just cut, like, these quick cuts of, like, violence of somebody getting shanked and you can't tell who's what and she's screaming, they're screaming. And the fucking guards just like you know smoking a cigarette and like all right, she's probably dead by now. Comes back and she's like just straight up murder those two people that she sent to kill her and was like and even wrote fuck you Greta and with a heart and blood. It's like she's crazy as shit, but she's a bad bitch. <laughs> and even later in the movie, like I mean, she just turn like turns into like a badass. I mean, they they give her a good uh, a good sequence. Yeah, I mean, in this I movie. think this was you know. Definitely Rob Zombie, you know, trying to make her the the star. You know, the way that the script and, you know, the scenes play out and everything, you know, definitely trying to make her... Yeah, now that I've watched this, I want to go back and watch uh, 31, that other horror movie he did. I, I've got it on... Like, literally, it was in the discount bin at Walmart, and we bought it at some point, and I completely forgot I owned it because we never got around to watching it until I saw, like the trailer for it when I rented this movie and I'm like, Oh yeah, I have that movie. I need to watch that. That actually looks pretty good. <laughs> but that's not set in this universe. Is no, it? but it stars, uh, Sherry is one of the, of, of course, one of the characters you know, in it. I mean, <laughs> we're in this one. She's like one of the victim or well, one of the people surviving the shit. I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> she's not the killer in this one. <laughs> it's a Rob zombie film. Of course, Sherry moon's going to be in it. I mean, he sticks her in everything, but I mean, Hey, you know, I, I I don't necessarily, you know, not like it. And like I said, you know, there No, for she definitely went from borderline being almost too 
crazy to where it was annoying to, hey, baby's back and she's a badass. And, you know, <laughs> let, let's continue yeah. this uh, this fuckery. So, yeah, the let's talk about our, our, our new guy that they had to add uh, because of losing Captain Spaulding. You know, when when Foxy uh, breaks him out of out of prison, and they end up just having that conversation with them, it kind of reminded me of like Grumpy Old Men Psycho Edition, where it's like I love the dynamic between him and Otis, where well, I think he thinks like... he's this badass gangster and killer, where Otis is the real deal, and he's just like, nah, bro, like, <laughs> like I, I'm I'm the the fucking uh, boss in this group. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it was a a very you know by far a different dynamic, but I think it did a great job of bringing balance and, you know, I think setting the stage for Otis to ultimately kind of take that leadership role. You know, I mean, he is, he's definitely an added support for Otis. And I think, you know, the, the half brother tie in, although a little bit stretched, I think it works, (laughs) but just their, their kind of friendly bickering back and forth is hilarious. that, that would be the same shit that, you know, sibling rivalry or, you know, like, dude, I'm I'm probably the biggest asshole to my closest friends, you know, because I anticipate and expect my asshole friends to do the same in return. <laughs> and if you don't, then, you know, we're probably not all that close because <laughs> yeah. I'm like... Well, they're sitting there coming up with a plan. He's like, man, these are the best beans I've ever eaten. He's like, yeah, it's because you've fucking been eating prison food for 10 years. It'll take a while for your your uh, taste, <laughs> taste buds to buds to get that <laughs> And then he's like, he's like, he's like, well, you've come up with a plan. He's like, yeah, I've been, you know, thinking about it for an eight ball. And, uh, you know, yeah, I've had a lot of time to think about this. So yeah, I, I got an idea. It's like this movie I've been thinking about. He's like, he's like, you know, Bogart movie. He's like, ah, fuck that. I like the Cagney better. And he's like, so in this, I guess I'm Bogart in this group. And he's like, motherfucker, what, in what universe are you Bogart? I'm fucking Bogart. <laughs> You don't even know what the fucking plan is. Just like I said, it's the weird like guys are like you know, have an impressive body count and they're arguing over Cagney and Lacey or uh, <laughs> Cagney and Bogart. And then the uh, when the bounty hunters, the two like dumbass hunters, find uh, Foxy, <laughs> and he's like, "You have anything to say?" He's like, "Yeah, titties." What? He's like. You should think about some boobs, like some big boobs, like like your sister here. Those are some nice boobs. Now think about her, surrounded by dudes, beating off. Maybe one of them shits on him. I ain't into that, but some people are. And this goes on this crazy rant about tits. And then Otis comes up with a shotgun and blows the guy's face off. And he's like, see, you bring up titties, and men completely forget about what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I was also. Like, it was genius. I was like, "That's fucking." But funny that's also shit. a very brilliant, you know. Str- I mean, <laughs> yeah. Any tactical class that you take, <laughs> you got to fuck up his OODA loop, yes, man. He's you like, know, you "Screw with you his decision-making process." You know, an attacker's mind or a potential aggressor, and you control the show at that point. Oh, yeah, right? I mean, Especially that's... for somebody that has no situational awareness to be like, "Huh, this guy probably had a hand in his brother's involvement." Chances are, there's another dude. <laughs> somewhere in these woods I mean, that yeah, I probably need to turn some attention to. <laughs> that's uh, one of like, you know, Cooper's principles of personal defense is surprise, do the unexpected. Do do what, you know, your attacker doesn't expect you to Drum do. Drum titties, boys! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Old instructor Earl. But yeah, it was like, 
you're like, what the fuck is he talking? But it was all like, you know, intentional and part of his like weird uh, plan. I'm like, it was like brilliant. But I do, that did lead to probably, probably in my opinion, one of the, the greatest, um, you know, gaffes or kills in the film, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause you know, they, they wrecked quite an impressive body count and, you know, uh, and doing so it's not so much the body count. It's about the fucked up, you know, um, just, Hey, we're really going to try to fuck up the viewer psyche with, you know, the, the graphics and everything else. But dude, could you imagine you're just laying against a tree and you look over just see your face nailed to the tree across from you. Yeah, that was it's fucked like, up. Cause... Like, this is how I'm going to go, staring at myself, staring at me. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they, they shoot the one guy. <laughs> and uh, friggin' Otis is giving uh, Foxy shit. He's like, are you crying? He's like, no, motherfucker, I got skull in my eye. <laughs> that shit stings. And then he, like, reaches for the girl, and, like, she screams, and he's going for a knife. He's like, it's a really nice knife. Is it sharp? And she's like, why? He's like, oh, trust me, you don't want to know. <laughs> and it just cuts to her still alive, faceless, tied to a tree with like, yeah, her face like nailed to the tree was staring at her. I was like, that was fucked up. <laughs> but yeah, Otis's plan to rescue baby is they go to the warden's house and kidnap the warden and his Warden and I, I think it's the chief's wife, right? Yeah, so it's you got warden, the warden and his wife, and then the whoever the guy from the parole board is, uh, and his wife were all there, and and him and Otis have them, and the most, and I I love like the conversation where he's telling them his plan, and he's like he's like you're gonna go, you know, you're gonna wake up in the morning, have some coffee, put on cologne, whatever, and you're gonna One go of those uh, stupid Hawaiian shirts, yeah. even you know, put yeah. on some of that. Good smelling cologne. <laughs> and you're going to go to the prison and get my sister and bring her back here. And he's like, she's like, that's crazy. She's like, bitch, I am crazy. <laughs> and then and she's like, he's like, that's impossible. And he's like, motherfucker, don't talk to me about impossible. I am the fucking impossible. And then the most random ass thing in this movie, uh, Mr. Baggy Britches, the clown, apparently gets the wrong address and shows up to the wrong fucking party. <laughs> and you get this such a way played by Clint Howard, who is, you know, made a career of doing weird ass roles. But yeah, when he uh, comes in, he's like, he's like, tell you what, you know, I'm going to let you live if you can make us laugh. <laughs> and then sits down with all these hostages and makes the clown do his clown show. <laughs> Which and, was... and everyone's like trying not to cry because they all know they're going to die. And he's like just going like full clown, throwing freaking confetti and everything else. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Otis gets up and he's like, oh, time to die. And then he pees himself. And Fox's like, that motherfucker pissed himself. And Otis starts laughing. He's like, fuck, he made me laugh. <laughs> he did it, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but did he get to live? Well, he never said he'd let him live. He said he'd let you go. And he's like, does that, does that mean I get to go? Yep. Go straight to clown heaven, motherfucker. <laughs> and like shoots him in the face. And then like the random at when they do rescue baby, which we'll get into that story in a second, when she comes back and she's just like, what the fuck's with the dead clown? She's like, don't worry about it. We'll tell you later. <laughs> it's just like this <laughs> random thing. Why is there a dead clown here? <laughs> Did you, did you, when you pull up, did you see a sign in my yard that said dead clown storage? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing too, like each, 
like for being a trilogy of films, each one of these has had a different feel to it. Where, like I said, your first one very much, like you said, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where the second one was more of a, I don't know, an escape crime type movie, which, and which almost, uh, and this one kind of felt more like uh, Natural Born Killers. Well, I, I, I don't know. Like, I wasn't sure if it was Natural Born Killers or if I was watching a buddy cop flick. Yeah, at times, like I said, it was, it, it was it grumpy old man that... uh, <laughs> psycho edition. Especially like you know, he and I like the warden is like, you don't know this, but your sister has gone fucking crazy. If I take the the cuffs off her, she is definitely gonna kill me. Oh, he's, he's like, like, oh, I don't doubt that. Yeah, like, yep, you're. <laughs> tell you what, I'll write you a note. <laughs> he literally like writes him a note. Please don't kill the warden. He's taking you to meet us. <laughs> and she's like, oh shit. Okay, cool. Let me out. <laughs> And of course he does, it's the eighties. So he does a huge line of Coke before he, (laughs) before he has to go through with it. Which I don't know, like given that situation, right? Like they let you go. Like you have the entire police force and everything else at your disposal. Yes. He has hostages. Is it going to end? Well, well, shit's probably already gone really bad for him, you know, just based on, you getting up that morning. Yeah, but the fact that you have all of this and it's not like, hey, half-brother, go with the warden or something else. Like no, you they, know? they let him out on his own and, you know, he's the warden. He he has seen their jacket. You know, he knows what these people do. There's no guarantee they're going to survive anyway. He should, yeah, he should have just called in the fucking SWAT team. Or but then again... The he's kind of an egotistical dude because he had that whole thing when the well, documentary I mean, I came like out the where, negative he, press aspect where he's like, and... you know, you know, it's not my fault, but you know, Ma and Pa Kettle's gonna think, uh, think, you know, this I'm the fucking idiot. So I think part of it is him wanting to be the hero. Like I said, he goes and gets his little noisy cricket but... gun and does all his coke in his mind. He's going to recapture them all and be the big fucking hero. And, and... I don't think so. Like you know, I mean, at at no point did he. I mean, hell, he he really didn't even have them under control in his own prison, like yeah. you know, in a controlled environment. Much less. But he's in his office doing coke, you know, pretending he's at home. This is my house, motherfuckers, and and trying to be the big man. And it did not go well for him because he accidentally shoots his wife and <laughs> gets shot himself. So yeah, I I don't know. Like there were a couple of instances where I was like, man, like fucking stupid ass horror movie logic. But I say that led to probably one of my favorite sequences in the film where once they get baby back and she's like, Oh shit, homies, the band's back together. Chili's baby back. And the one wife that is, and when they come back, Joe, I was making a song, baby back ribs, (laughs) but they come back. She's naked on the couch. They're watching three stooges. They got the other wife sitting next to the dead clown. But when she tries to escape, and they're like, baby's like, I got this. And she's chasing her with the knife and playing with her like a cat playing with a mouse. When well, she pulls I mean, out was... the knife, she's like, oh, you like knives? And starts like twirling, like passing her. And then the whole like chase where, and they're playing this like weird ass music. And it's such like daylight, perfectly manicured lawns. There's a bloody naked chick running and there's baby who probably could have caught her quickly, but she's just juggling the knife and chasing her, trying to scare the shit out of her. And it's just such weird visual when she finally catches her and is like well, stabs I mean, the, the shit out of her it was the straight up so that whole scene 
Like, yeah. you know, when he first takes the warden and everybody else hostage, um, that reminded me of the hotel scene from Devil's Rejects. Yeah. That whole, you know, chase scene that you were just describing between Baby and, you know, uh, her, that was right out of House of a Thousand Corpses, Run, Rabbit, Run. You yeah. know, like, you could definitely tell that, you know, those scenes were homage, like, you know. <laughs> but yeah, when she, like, catches her and kills her... And looks up, and there's, like, the old lady in her lawn chair across the street watching it. And it's just in such shock. She's like, oh, hi, Granny. And the lady, like, waves back. Like, the fuck? And then she comes back in. Yeah, I got her. Uh, but, yeah, some old bitch across the street saw, saw me gut her. So we we may want to leave. You know, just so matter of fact about it. But then again, like, you hear the sirens. And it's like, you know, Otis is like, okay, we need to fucking go. And Baby's like, well... What about this? And what? No, no time. We gotta go. She's like, but I want this Indian headdress yes. and these bow and arrow. The like, is this real? Just, just grab it and let's go. <laughs> like, and, and they end up in like the weird like hotel, and they're in the van. And it's like I said, that's the one. It's like the weird buddy cop moment where he's like, "Man, we got we got to pull over. I can't, I can't keep my eyes awake. I'm doing all the driving." He's like, "Well, motherfucker, I got night blindness. You know, you know, Pardon me for having retinas that don't work. You know, just." <laughs> Like I said, this grumpy old man, and she's in the back going, I'll drive. And they're like, fuck you, crazy. You'll get us pulled over in, like, five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like Otis is, like, the weird dad that's having to deal with these fucking kids. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, definitely an interesting dynamic. And uh, I don't know, like, the, the hotel scene, too, like, when they pull up to it, like, I was like, shit. Are they back at the, you know, convenience store or the fried chicken place? Yeah, like, it kind of reminded me of that. me of that set. It, like, it definitely looked like Captain Spaulding's uh, murder ride uh, <laughs> location. And then they're in there, like, playing Go Fish. And uh, and she's like, I'm bored. I'm going to go play. And then finds the dude dressed as a Mexican for Halloween. <laughs> and, like, and when she, like, just kills him and then comes back wearing his sombrero and his fake mustache. Goes, Guys, I got a plan. Let's go to Mexico. <laughs> Just her walking in with the sombrero and the mustache. You're like, the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And yeah, she slaughtered I'd like him. to say that was the what the fuck moment, but yeah. no, no, later uh, on when we get to it. <laughs> and then like, she slaughtered him carved grape soda in his head and wrote baby was here on the wall. Just she does not know how to keep a low profile. <laughs> nope. She's a, uh... that's our Harley. Yeah. And then they had, like go to some podunk Mexican town. That part kind of reminded me of dust till dawn. It's like, <laughs> wake up brother. We're Mexicans. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I love the whole line though. It's like, all right, so Mexico, viable option. None of us speak Spanish. Um, well, kids speak it. <laughs> yeah. It can't be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> and Froxy's whole plan, like, what should we do next? He's like, he's like, so what's the plan? He's like, and like Otis is so matter of fact. He's like, to be honest, I got no fucking idea. I didn't think we'd make it this far. <laughs> it's like the most sane moment out of him. Like, you know, he, the, the rest of these movies, he's been this crazy bastard. And he's like, Prison has almost made him sane. He's just like, dude, I didn't think we'd make it this far. It's like, I got no clue. He's like, I know what you do. We should start a porn company. <laughs> what? 
what? He's like, yeah, we're gonna call it Dirty Filthy Sluts Incorporated, and our our first movie is gonna be a guy who goes door to door selling sausage, and that's gonna be his like catchphrase. You know, uh, you know, he'll knock on a girl's door, they'll open the door and be like, "Show me your sausage, motherfucker." <laughs> I mean, at least he's a guy with a plan. <laughs> eh, you know, I mean, at some point, somebody had to sit around and said, "Hey." Let's come up with a movie where we put sharks in tornadoes. Yeah. You know? And then um, later on, when they get into Mexico and, and they 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 pick up the Mexican hookers, and he's like, I'm going to take you away from all this. I'm going to take you to, I'm going to put you in the movie. She's like, you're going to take me to Hollywood? He's like, yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> he's still working on his plan. <laughs> I mean, they were already in the sex industry. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I got to say the weird uh, dude who run the freaking uh, hotel in Mexico. Like, they find the one, like, you know, white guy that <laughs> runs a Mexican uh, hotel. And that dude was just weird as shit. But he but was, the way I, he talked was just funny. I mean, Well, I think, you know, because, like, I, I don't know. To me, it definitely reminded me of something like, um you know, Ed ba- Bassmaster. You know, he does uh, a mumble skit, right? Or Bottle, bottle yeah. Dew. You know, one of those two. Like, but I think it was a great decoy on, hey... I know who these people are. I think he knew who they were right off the bat because yeah. when he calls up um, Aquarius, Aquarius, played uh, by Emilio Riviera, known from uh, Sons of Anarchy as Mayans, as Marcus Alvarez. So I mean, now he's fucked up. Now the Mayans going to come after him. You yeah, know? like <laughs> they killed Papasan, um, or Patrino, or whatever they call him. But yeah, I mean the fact that you know. Hey, I've got this, and I'm willing to make a bargain, and I can keep them safe. Like, you know, he was clear as day, you know, when he was having that conversation. So I definitely feel like he had their number, and he's like, hey, yeah, cause like, as if soon I as let he... these heads roll, that's going to be a big payday for me. Yeah, because as soon as he, like, yeah, shows them the room and everything and, and leaves, they're like, do you think they recognize this? And like, these motherfuckers can't recognize their own ass. There's no way. And as he's calling Aquarius, who turns out to be... Uh, Rondo, Danny Trejo's son, and the head of a Mexican gang called the Black Devils, who are badass dude. They they dress in Mexican luchador, luchador masks, which well, is the fucking kind of awesome. So it's like, <laughs> what was it? It was something like uh, it was something Satan's though, wasn't? Oh yeah, it, it was yeah. Black Satan. Yes. That's what it was, not Black Devils. But yeah, like they all wear white suits and. And freaking luchador masks, except for him, he's got a black suit and a red luchador mask. Which, which, but, oh. I mean, I think it was so fitting that, you know, they show up and it's like, you know, they're having the whole Day of the Dead festival and everything else. And, uh... oh, and he tells me, he's like, one thing, bring three coffins. And he shows up in an El Camino. with a... <laughs> and I was like, of course, they deliver the coffins in El Camino. I'm like, motherfucker, this is Mexico. They deliver everything in an El Camino. You want a pizza? It's coming in an El Camino. That's just the way it is. <laughs> you don't see too many of them anymore. Duh. Not unless you're at a car show or in like weird Mexico. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then the the uh, the little uh, uh, little guy, uh, you know, his his right hand man Sebastian, uh, played by Pancho Moler. That guy was cool as hell too. Like, and his like Day of the Dead makeup was was pretty bad. He looked creepy as shit in his Day of the Dead. But he actually like him and. Baby kind of have a moment where, like, like after they party their ass off and, hell, Baby wins a knife-throwing contest and then the brothers go off and get hookers. Like, he brings her breakfast the next morning and I'm like, dude, is she going to hook up with him? You know, and, like, if it wasn't for the gangsters showing up, I think, like, you know, 
Baby might have found her a boyfriend. <laughs> think there was some chemistry there? Or actually, you know what I think it is? Is I definitely think that, you know, like they, they sit there and they have the conversation about Tiny, you know, from House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. And, you know, I definitely think that, you know, to her that, you know, was, you know, bringing him into the family would be just like having Tiny back. Yeah, because they had that conversation, like, where she's where they talk about Spalding. She's like, "You think all this is worth it?" And and they had that almost that that real moment where she's like, "It's just the two of us left now," and it's weird. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, you're thinking about, uh, you know, about you know, dad or whatever." And he's like, "You know, the, he had a good run. He had he lived more life than a bigger life than most of us get a chance to." So I thought that was a kind of a cool shout out to to Sid in a in a way. And the whole time they're talking about it, it's just the two of us, and fucking Foxy looks at me like, motherfuckers, you're like, I'm not even here. And like, all right, all right the three of us. You know what I'm <laughs> I mean, you are a half-brother, so, yeah. I mean, you know. <clears throat> fucking new guy. <laughs> uh. But then when the when the gang shows up, I mean, it turns into, like, Desperado or something. I mean, it's like the the movie kind of switched gears there for a second. But that, that's the sequence where she turns into a complete badass. I mean, she straps on the Indian headdress that she had stolen and grabs the fucking bow and arrow and just starts murking dudes like right and left. Like I'm like, God damn, she's gone full Tonto. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, that was, I was like, that was a turning point to where I was like, okay, you know, this, this has gotten badass. but you know, like at the same time, like it was done as a, action like this film didn't really fit like in my opinion like the horror genre that yeah, know, the other it, two did so like it just switched into like a weird action movie yeah. i mean it's like and what? that that's why it was like it was almost felt like a western at that point yes yeah <laughs> like especially when he they capture uh baby and and foxy and uh are, are calling out uh otis and he comes out of that that church looking building with the shotgun and is just, or the, the AR at that point. And it's like having that like slow walk uh, up to meet uh, Aquarius. And it's like, this is like a straight Clint Eastwood moment here. (laughs) And he's like, tell you what, I'm a nice guy. I'll let you pick who dies first. He's like, well then I choose the Mongoloid and like calls out one of his men. (laughs) And he's like, fuck you dude. Let's have a machete fight. (laughs) And you get this cool, like machete, machete fight moment. Perfect homage, you know, for, you know, any folks that know their grindhouse history and Danny Trejo and Machete. <laughs> well, like, fucking even, uh, even Aquarius laughs where he's like, well, you know, y'all gonna pick who dies first. I'm picking the Mongoloid over there. <laughs> he's like, fuck you, you are nothing without the gun. Come, let's, let's fight with machetes like real men. But, you know, and poor, uh, 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 fucking Sebastian got shot trying to save, uh, save her but he doesn't kill him which is that's a that's a mistake yeah always make sure your dude's dead he's like you ain't even worth a bullet man and just leaves him for dead and of course he shows up kind of like tiny did in devil's rejects and saves them all yeah and you know which i said that comparison to to her seeing him kind of like tiny yeah he did that same thing that kind of tiny did in the the last movie where he showed up out of nowhere you thinking he was dead and and you know saves them all at the last moment Yeah, and, and definitely uh, had its badass moments. Yeah, and like when uh, Sebastian goes to warn Otis and 
and Foxy and uh, freaking Otis is pinned down behind the bed and he's like, he's like, how many bullets you got left? And he just gives him the finger. He's like, one motherfucker. <laughs> he's like, well, make it count. Make it a magic bullet. And then the, the Luchador guy's like, we're going to kill you in the count of three. One, two. And you get that slow motion of freaking Foxy running with the, with the uh, 870. I'm like, looked like a straight Western moment. And he just pops around the corner. Three motherfuckers. And then like, he shoots them both. <laughs> I was like, don't underestimate a 870 at close range. That's like, you no, know. no. All you got to do at that point is just point and click. Yeah, any close range gunfight. Nothing's better than a, than a trusty shotgun. Love my 870. Love my 500 too, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, 12 gauge is a, it's, if you, if you know how to shoot one, that was going to be a, a, a badass weapon. Can you hold it in front of you and pull the trigger? <laughs> like, at that point, like I don't, I don't know. You don't really even got to hit anywhere vital, you know. It's 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 a bad day. Yeah, it's just freaking <clears throat> devastating at close range. It's like it just the sound of it is just. Well, I mean, there's nothing strikes, strikes fear into the hearts of men. <laughs> like that, that's the one thing you don't want to do is you know walk up on somebody you shouldn't walk up on or be at a place you shouldn't be and just. Oh, uh, and it's pee-pee pants time. <laughs> uh, it's like that old, uh, I can't remember the name of that, it was an old rap group from the 90s. They had that one, uh, one uh, line in their song. It's like, who's that looking in my window? Blow, nobody now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, of course, uh, get captured, and then they have the machete fight. And then... Poor Sebastian comes and rescues them one last time. He's like, "I brought you a present," and gives him a gun and and uh, gets yeah you know, killed himself when <laughs> when he shoots the the du- dude with the machine gun. I said because he's got bad luck. Right? He shoots one guy, the guy spins around and shoots him. He shoots another guy, and that guy lights him up as he's going down. It's like, bro, you're like shoot and move, shoot and move. <laughs> I mean, he was already a low profile target. I mean. <laughs> Oh, what were the odds? What be- were th- before that when uh, when homeboy Carlos uh, after he rats everybody out and the gunfight starts he's trying to trying to leave and, and Otis finds him in the in the uh, El Camino and he's like what you doing there rat and he just goes on that whole like man not me my, I'm just a businessman trying to do business and this ain't my fault and I, I ain't got nothing to get you and he's like man rats do squeak <laughs> he's like tell you what. I'll give you, we'll split the money, 50-50, 60-40, 70 He's like, are we cool? He's like, yeah, man, we're cool. And then just fucking just dumps a mag into him. <laughs> but, like I said, I, I, I don't know, Otis kind of was so different in this movie, but he was kind of so much cooler as, like. Well, I mean, that's the thing, is, you know, like, let's see, I'm trying to remember, because I did not go back and rewatch Dr. Satan. Was that? That's one of the things that it's like, kind of like the big myth. It's like they never explain what the hell happened to Doctor Satan. It's like it's kind of like a thing that 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 it's almost like the first movie. And from what I've heard of the 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 making of the first movie is they it started off kind of on being filmed on like the back lot of like Universal or something, and they pulled it like halfway through and then Rob had to get the rights back before he could finish the movie. And it's almost one of the things like, 
I didn't have a lot of money. I did this, but now I have a little bit more money. So I'm going to add this weird, elaborate Dr. Satan thing at the end here. And then never talks about it in any of the other movies where he's like, the fuck happened to the weird ass Dr. Satan guy? Cause there's like no, re- nothing about it. Cause like I mean, you devil's know. rejects and there's not, wasn't even a payoff in this movie. I'm like, they're just kind of like, all right, that was kind of weird and didn't fit the rest of the story. So let's just kind of erase that and go back to the, the core story of the Firefly family, which I heard if you watch the devil's rejects video, there's, there was a Dr. Satan deleted scene where he got shot in that opening gunfight when the cops raid the compound and gets hauled off in an ambulance, but it got deleted from the, the movie. So, I mean, supposedly he was the guy in the ambulance that was leaving at the kind of the start of the, of the film. But yeah, it's like, it's like, we've never mentioned this guy again. (laughs) So it's kind of like the weird loose thread of all these movies of like the hell happened to Dr. Satan. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, that was just like the weird thing. Like in my head, like I almost envisioned him like being Otis, you know, actually using Dr. Satan as like an entity or something like that. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, almost giving him almost like supernatural powers. Like I felt like, you know, in House of a Thousand Corpses, like there was more of a supernatural presence, whereas then you get into Devil's Rejects and you get into this, and it's just, no, we're just, you know, killing for our freedom, you know? And I heard kind of originally, too, that there wasn't even supposed to be a Dr. Satan, that they were just going to have it be whatever the the grandfather thing. And it's like it was just a thing that they invented to lure people to the compound. Uh, it was kind of like their... Their thing they just made up to to trap dumbass ghost hunters. Where at, at and then like nah, that would be kind of a anticlimactic. So we got to add Doctor Satan at the end of it to like pay it off. But then I've heard Rob Zombie say, hell, it may have even been a hallucination by those final victims. That you know there really wasn't no Doctor Satan. That it was just their you know the psychological trauma invented Doctor Satan. So it's like yeah, it's one of those things. Like I said, they've never really explained it or paid it off in any of the following films. It's just like. Nah, that's, that was a dumb idea. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's just weird that, you know, you got this, you know, group called the Black Satans and, you know, with, with the pentagrams and everything else. And it's like. Or when they flee the Mexico, I could see them like going to like, you know, they're wounded. They go, they should have been like a post credit scene where they're like wounded. Like we got to find a like some kind of shady doctor. And they go and they're like, Dr. Satan, like actually escaped. And he's like been living in Mexico these last. 15 years <laughs> it's like hey guys <laughs> how you been <laughs> check out my new batch of super soldiers i built <laughs> yeah it's just it's just one of those weird things where you're like yeah we're just never going to talk about that again yeah i i don't know it was interesting so um do you feel like there's another movie coming after this i don't know because they whereas devil's rejects had a definite ending where they could have, they, if they ended the story, he put like a bookend in it where this one ends with them literally like, you know, setting uh Aquarius on fire and watching him. And I like that sequence too, where they're, where they're both like watching him in the coffin and, uh, you know, and Fox is like, what are you waiting for? He's like, no, no, I like to wait. Yeah. I gotta wait till they, I see that they're broken. And she's like, I don't know. He looks pretty broken to me. And he twitches like, was that it? Like, no, no, wait for it. And he like does something else. Like, was that it? Nope. Oh, oh, there it is. 
<laughs> you know, his his fate has finally like crossed his mind, and they light him on fire, and then they walk off into the sunset with the three legged dog, and it cuts to them just riding the highways of Mexico in the convertible, kind of like the end of Devil's Rejects. But they actually letting baby drive now. They're like, all right, cool, you. Well, you, I mean, I try to be a badass. We can trust you. I mean, I think like she got reacclimated to the life, at least family again. So she developed, you know, a little bit more, like, there was that pivotal turning point that we talked about, you know, when she's sitting down with, um, oh, what's the dude? Uh, Sebastian. Sebastian. Um, and, like, the insanity turns off. Like, that's... that's... Yeah, she's, like, kind of, like, wanting to rebuild the family and rebuild connections. And, you know, he has that moment, too, where she's, he's like, I don't know, we can still do a lot of damage in this fucked up world. Where I think if they don't do another movie, they kind of gave them a cool, like, them riding off onto the sunset where they can continue if they want. But then also leaves it open, you know, where we can, you know, in a couple years catch up with them doing fucked up shit in Mexico, you know? Like I said, there's... He's definitely left a window if he wants to revisit these characters eventually. But then also kind of gave them a cool, like, they they survive, they escape, they're riding off into the the sunset. yeah. Where if the, he doesn't, he kind of gave them a, a a cool out uh, of of them ending ending on a on a good note. But yeah, well, mad props to them surviving twenty gunshots apiece. Yeah, to you know be able to come back and do this film. <laughs> yeah, because that would have been such a, a a letdown if they just ended like they ended it every and they just all get like shot to hell again. <laughs> it's now he gave them the ride off into the sunset, like kind of like a. As we made the comparison to a Western, it had that very Western ending where the hero rides off into the sunset at the end of the film. Uh, and their steel horse, cat, uh, freaking convertible. Definitely should have taken an El Camino. <laughs> yeah, that El Camino needed a little cleanup, though. It was <laughs> it was a little bloody on the Dude, interior. Dude, it's Mexico. There's got to be other El Caminos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that or they're riding around with a sweet low rider or something. like. Oh, my. Friends, love a little ride. <laughs> At least they didn't get back in the clown hippie van. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I still feel like that would draw a lot of attention, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, There's a fucking clown van. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Yeah, I do kind of want to see the a continuation of, uh, you know, Foxy and, uh, yeah, <laughs> and the I mean, Otis this... Roadshow. This movie, all in all, was enjoyable, but it was a mess. Um, you know, like with all the different flashbacks and everything else. Um, you know, and it, you know, definitely didn't have the the horror element that you know some of the previous films had. Um, but I would watch it again. It wasn't a bad movie. Um, it was just different. But then again, like I said, all three of these have had kind of a a different unique feel. Yes, to them. absolutely. So, I mean, it was, you know, definitely unique seeing, you know, cause you look at Rob Zombie's album covers and everything else. He always has, you know, some sort of like, you know, no matter how diabolical the image is, always some sort of like a trippy, you know, creep show type, you know, artistic oh, yeah, the, flair to it. And the party sequence in Mexico, when they're, all getting drunk and partying on the day of the dead that turned into a straight up acid trip Rob Zombie music video. <laughs> like when that's like sequence kicked off, I'm like, yep, it's now a Rob Zombie music video. 
But I say the sound direction too in in these movies have been great. Like I said, his choice of songs to go with. I mean, I definitely felt like are, you know. Um, I guess that's kind of the benefit of having a musician as a director. He kind of picks cool music to go to fit the scenes that he's. Well, he's I mean, you showing. would think you know, being a a heavy metal musician, you know, and stuff like that, like. Um, but no, all of these were like you know, like songs classic from the 70s, music of yeah. the era. Yeah. Especially like the uh, 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 freaking uh, baby, that baby dancing while he's he's drawn or that that I mean I can't remember the name of that song, but that's like a, a classic like rock and roll song from the from the sixties and seventies, and it's just like it fits so so well. There definitely needs to be a remix though of like instead of Janie's got a gun, it's Baby's got a bow. Like in my head, I kept saying Baby's got a bow. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, when she's like, he's like, Sebastian, help the lady with her bags. And she's like, he's like, the bow, ma'am? She's like, fuck yeah, the bow. <laughs> I'm a damn Indian princess, motherfucker. <laughs> oh. oh, but that with the big ass hairdress and everything else, like, oh, it's just, <laughs> it's just so bizarre. Just, just straight up, like, I mean, it was, you know, freaking cowboys dudes. and Indians, you know, are like, I don't know. Was there like a a Spanish Indian War or something? <laughs> like, welcome to the Alamo, motherfucker. So as we wrap this up, uh, let's see final thoughts on this here cigar. It's pretty good. Um, it's uh hasn't varied in taste or flavor. Um, I think if anything, like. Maybe the spice has subsided that it started out with. Yeah, it's definitely and, got a, a consistency. And to that, it. Um, you know, the, I I don't know. I you mentioned dates. Like I'm I'm thinking dried fruit, like subtle sweetness is yeah, like is, a raisiny. Type. Yeah, is still there. Um, but also very much cedar. Um, a lot of cedar on this cigar. Yeah, you get that with the kind of the bourbon and and different whiskey. The barrel aging definitely gives it a a woody note, and diesel's been hit or miss with me. With like, I like the whiskey row, I like this, the diesel grind. Uh, I did not like that cigar. Yeah, I wasn't too fond of it. I mean, this but is yeah, a these, cigar the, these that whiskey rows have been good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's there's others in the same price point that I definitely like more, um, but you know, if somebody handed me this cigar, or you know, if yeah, it's not one I was that in has... a position to where I had, you know, limited choices and this was a choice, I, I would grab it again. I this would be one that I would like to have again, maybe with a drink, you know, to yeah. I yeah, I still want to get some of the, the rabbit hole whiskey to 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 pair with this. And it's it's uh like I said, it's not one that's made it into my regular rotation, but every once in a while I'll, I'll pick one of these up and it's it's always been a good cigar. Speaking of regular rotation, I smoked what we smoked last week again, the uh, the sun-grown Padermo. Uh, I happen to be, if you're in the Dahlonega area, there's a, a little hole-in-the-wall cigar shop. If, they don't have a whole lot of selection, but they had that. So I'm like, all right, cool, I need a, I need a Halloween cigar while I'm up there trick-or-treating, dealing with sugared-out kids, and pick that up again. And I, I Second visiting of that cigar, I'm like, it's actually a pretty, pretty good smoke. Sit down, smoke that, and watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> That's what yeah, I did on see, Halloween. I'm finding myself like, I um, you know, if it's still morning time, the CAO, CAO session, um, kind of been opening the day with, 
Um, and then, you know, as like, yeah, that session I've smoked a lot. It's that's gotten to my rotation. It's that. I mean, it's just a good flavor my, bomb. Um, been my regular smokes lately, and I think that you know, on the right, I'd say either one of those are definitely box worthy. If you if you're you know, gonna pick up a lot of them. But um, you know this this here has not been a uh, a bad cigar at all. No. Nope. So um, I just I just want a little, a little whiskey or something to wet the whistle. <laughs> and with that, we'll be right back. Extra nerdy and talk about some science. Wouldn't that be geeky? Hmm. Maybe. Because I always think, you know, geek when it comes to technology and science and stuff. Nerdy when it comes to comics and superheroes and video games and whatnots. Hmm. I don't know. My definition always like nerd was more like intellectual, where geek was more just an excitement about a general topic. Like geeking out over Star Wars versus nerding out, which is knowing a lot about Star Wars. Which we will talk about later. <laughs> so, Spoiler! Uh, you know, the closest thing I could find to robot news this week, uh, the military's top-secret space plane just landed after 780 days in orbit. So it's not so secret anymore because everybody knows there was a plane orbiting? <laughs> Well, this it's called the X-37B, and we still really don't know much about what its top-secret mission is, uh, other than them announcing it, it landed. This thing originally launched September 7th, 2017, and has been flying around the Earth ever since. It's an automated, basically a space drone, you know, It's and few you know photographs of it have been released by the Air Force. Uh, but yeah, they still are kind of keeping it top secret of what its actual mission is. The only thing that they will say is the spacecraft is a key component of the space community. This milestone demonstrates our commitment to conducting experiments for America's future space exploration, according to Lenin Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Keene. Uh, and it kind of looks like a smaller version of the, the classic uh, space shuttle. But, you know... So we're not saying aliens, but it's probably aliens? Um, I think or it's like the first... You know, there's been the rumors of uh, the supposed uh, Space Force being being built. I mean, are we preparing some kind of automated defense fighter jets for space, you know, for the impending alien invasion? 
I mean, this could be the first uh, first uh, future X-Wing project Well, if we get here. taken away and uh, black vehicles, uh, we'll know you were on to something. We'll probably never be able to report to people that we were on to something, because, you know, <laughs> they'll put us in a hole somewhere. Yeah. So we, we, if we don't have a next episode, you know we were right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this... Uh, this, you know, like I said, no one really knows, but it's it, the benefit of this over, say, a spy satellite that's in a a set geosynchronous orbit is this thing can actually turn and change course when it hits a lower altitude. So we're a satellite where our adversaries know exactly where it's in the sky and know when it's going to cross over and because it stays on an exact trajectory. This thing can move and pop up at a different angle every time it, you know, goes around the Earth. So, you know, it's definitely uh, potentially being used for some kind of high-altitude spying or whatnot. But literally, other than it it exists and it just returned from t- two years in space, uh, that's about all we know about it. <laughs> other than, you know, conspiracy theories and, like I said, potential Space Force-type type shit or you know hell this may be like I said they they discontinued the the shuttle program and and nasa's kind of pushed off space exploration to these these uh civilian companies you know this may be the next level of nasa getting into space exploration is instead of going from manned missions to more robotic automated especially when you get into long distance travel it's definitely much, must probably for, much uh, harder to sustain human life than it is for i mean just electronics like, you know to bring it back to three from hell like the psychological effects of being in isolation for multiple years it would take for at our current flight capacity to get to another planet fucking human mind might just break in that way we don't know if it's even possible to have someone you know, awake and isolated for that many, <laughs> that long of a time where, you know, some kind of automated robotic space explorers could, you know, not get bored in flight. <laughs> yeah. And you don't definitely. have to feed the motherfuckers either. Or worry about waste. Yep. Robots don't poop in space. Well, not only that, but I mean, you know, I'm sure you got trash, you got other stuff that, you know, you have to contend with. So. Yeah. You got to stock food and everything else. Well, speaking of aliens or the possible lack thereof, uh, famous CIA NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden apparently is releasing a new book and was recently on the Joe Rogan podcast, and (laughs) Joe actually asked him about aliens. Um, And according to Snowden, you know, who, you know, has been to had access to CIA, NSA, and all kind of government shit, says that, you know, he can't find anything that uh, says that aliens ever have ever contacted Earth. Or at least not in the U.S. He said, there's no such thing as chemtrails, the moon landing is real, so is global warming, but I can't find shit about aliens. And he says, he's like, I had access to a lot of information and from the CIA, the NSA, and the military, and I couldn't find anything. So maybe he's telling the truth. You know, it's it's kind of weird when a whistleblower tells you 
these conspiracy theories aren't real. Because <laughs> anybody who's going to be like, bro, there's fucking aliens, it would probably have been him. <laughs> well, I then again, like, do you really want to release that, hey, I I dug into this stuff and uh, I'm going to now make it public knowledge? Like, is that just asking to have a target on his back? Well, I'm sp- Hell, surprisingly, you know, probably already does have one. Well, for, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, you <laughs> well, know, but then again, it's like all the stories you've heard of, like the Men in Black. It's one thing when he comes out and like releases, "Hey, the NSA has been spying on us all for years." Which, hell, we all assumed our cell phones, well, everything I was mean, listening to us. Anyway, it's everyone's like, "Yeah, no shit, bro." <laughs> but he starts talking about aliens, and somebody might make him disappear for real. <laughs> Giving away government secrets, one thing. Admitting to the aliens. That might be something else entirely. And then again, all he really said was, I can't find any evidence that we have been contacted by aliens. That's not saying that... Hey, we know something's out there. Yeah, we've seen... Like like the... Uh, there was a recent interview with that uh, Air Force colonel, that uh, our Navy guy who, who flew against the, the supposed unidentified objects that was recently released in the declassified footage. They, you know, Joe actually talked to the guy that flew that mission and recorded that, those uh, sightings of that spacecraft. Yeah. Just cause we, you know, we've not had a sit down contact with aliens. Don't mean that they, they ain't something out there. We just hadn't been able to make any kind of official contact with it. Yeah. I did see an interesting thing where, uh, it looks like some sort of skeletal structure or something was found that may prove that the Loch Ness monster was actually a real thing. Damn right. And next thing we're gonna do is find Bigfoot. Because somewhat so apparently from all the sightings, he's somewhere in Blairsville, Georgia. We still need to go to that Bigfoot Point. museum. <laughs> no, that was just a hairy hipster. I don't know. Well, <laughs> that's it. Cigar nerds are out to find a squatch. <laughs> on the next episode, Squatching One Hundred and One. <laughs> we totally gotta get one of those weird fuckers on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, we had ghost hunters on. Man, we need to get a squatch hunter in here to do an interview. Uh, well, you're, you're a guy who, who has owned snakes and likes snakes and spiders. Here's something not to do. If you get bit by a snake, don't cut your finger off to save yourself from the poison. Yeah. I think, uh, I think too many people have like seen old movies where people are cutting into wounds and sucking venom out. It's like, no, if you've been envenomated, uh, best thing is, uh, compression, and, like, if you get bit on the finger, you want to use compression all the way up the arm. Like, everything you can do to slow and restrict blood flow to the nodes. Like, okay. uh, yeah. I feel like oftentimes, like, I don't know. So, in China, a man recently uh, uh, by the name of Zhang, who lives in the Shenghu district of Zhejiang province. Yeah, they're not allowed on the internet in China. Yeah, well, apparently, yeah, he didn't... There's a snake uh, called the Dinagagistrodon acutus, which the local name is the Hundred Pacer, or in some places where they think it's more deadly, the Five-Step Snake, because they think that if you're bitten by this, you will die within a, a hundred paces. So when he was bit by this thing in the mountains while, uh, you But know, even if you don't take any paces and you just stand there, guess what's happening? Still going to die. Blood's flowing, right? Yeah. Like- <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, 
bitten by the snake, he immediately chops his finger off to and travels the 50 miles to the nearest hospital to receive treatment, uh, leaving his, what he thinks, useless finger is now in the in the mountains. So when he gets there and tells the doctors, yeah, I was bitten by the, the 100 pacer snake, uh, I chopped off my finger to save my life, they're like, uh, dude, that wasn't necessary at all. Uh, it's not that toxic. <laughs> and, you know, and if you had brought your finger back, we could have reattached it. So... You know, kind of a uh, public, uh, <laughs> whatever, public safety announcement. Yeah, like, I, I definitely feel like, you know, like, yes, there are some absolutely bad, venomous, you know, not just snakes, but, you know, animals in general out there. But, you know, like, I, I feel like a little bit of basic knowledge on how to handle an envenomation and not relying on Hollywood, um will go a long way. So if you're a hiker or an outdoors person or, you know, if you're around construction sites or you just, you know, want to be more educated about the types of animals and potential venom venoms that you could encounter in your day-to-day life, um, do some actual legitimate research and, you know, not rely on what you may have seen. Because <laughs> if you get bit by a venomous snake, Joe, I can tell you, I'm not cutting open the wound to suck the venom out. <laughs> yeah, according to this doctor, they they have a anti-venom for it. And it's like, as long as you, you know, it does cause some pain and can cause fatalities. But as long as you get medical treatment within six hours, you're going to be fine. They said they're, due to the reputation of this snake, they have dumbass people who, like him, cut off his fingers or you know, put on some kind of, you know, wire or homemade tourniquet where by the time they show up at the hospital, they're already showing signs of gangrene. So yeah, just, you know, if you get bit, seek medical attention, leave it the fuck alone is what the, uh, Chinese doctors are, yeah. are advising. I mean, like I said, most of the time, like, you know, it's like, I've seen people, you know, rattlesnake bites, um, even, you know, like, all right, let's take it more severe. King Cobra bites. Like, you know, that's probably one of the most, like, you know, venom for venom. You know, not only is it a bad venom, but they are very large snakes and dump a ton of venom into their victim. Um, you know, but people survive those, you know, with nothing more than compression bandages and, you know, remaining calm and getting to a hospital, calling ahead and saying, hey, this is what's happening. That way, you know, hopefully there's a venom one or an anti-venom, you know nearby that they can get some vials to you. Um, <laughs> so you ever been working with a rubber band and it go flying off and then you can't find it? Could be birds stealing your rubber bands. What? <laughs> From dumb humans to dumb animals. Uh, a uh, According to a... I didn't think there was a bird in my house, but... <laughs> a uh, company called the National Trust, which is a UK-based charity for uh, the environment that basically they operate as a conservatory for this island that is uninhabited by people, but there's some kind of rare nesting bird there that they, they watch over. And so you can't get on this island without some kind of special permit. And it's generally uninhabited to protect these rare birds. Well, when rangers visited the island to check on the birds, they found hundreds and hundreds of rubber bands on this island. Apparently the birds mistake them for worms. 
So I mean, I, been could, picking I could up see that. Like, rubber bands, thinking of them are worms, bringing them back to their nest and going, wait a minute, this shit ain't edible. <laughs> so there's like, they've just found this huge collection of rubber bands on this uninhabited island that birds apparently was probably only brought there by you know people who were looking to do science experiments and documentation using what rubber bands <laughs> so if you're if you're missing your rubber bands check your local bird nests uh don't leave them outside because they think they're worms <laughs> i don't know like dude i've seen birds like like dude could a bird build like the world's best rubber band ball I mean, because they can make some really intricate nests, you know, using straw and other pieces of debris and stuff like that. Like, hey, it's man, man we start giving them, you know, some actual weather, uh... textile tools. Like, <laughs> yeah. holy crap. Oh, freaking, you know, weather resistant as well. They're going to start building their own parachutes and bungee jumping out of <laughs> nest. And, you know, birds going to take on, you know. Using slingshots to attack us. Whoa. <laughs> and with that, we'll be right back. You're listening to Nerdlanta. Hey, what's up? This is Master Blazer and Walt Hitman from Atlanta Roller Derby. Hey, what's up? It's Mike, Brian, Eric, Eric. Brandon from Roblox Party. Hey, what's up? This is Catherine Barsonistas from the nerdy food blog, thegluttonousgeek.com. Hey, this is Rory, a.k.a. Catlanta. It's Atlanta's only live nerdy podcast, available now on the ESO Network. Hey, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. good. We, we are in Atlanta. Atlanta. And now, it's time for all things nerdy in Nerd News. And welcome to Nerd News. Yeah, news. All right, so uh, up first, um, really hard to talk about nerd news and not talk about Star Wars, which we've already hinted we would be talking about Star Wars previously. Um, so we got our final trailer. Uh, Star Wars is set to re- release right before Christmas. Imagine that. What a coinkadink. Uh, December 20th, 2019 will be the release date. Yeah, you got to get it out so everybody buys those Star Wars toys for Christmas. Yes, absolutely. Um, speaking of toys, I did see that... Uh, there's actually going to be a John Wick and his dog, uh, Funko Pop. <laughs> I've <laughs> avoided thought, the Funkos, but that one I may have to pick up. Which I thought was pretty awesome. But yeah, uh, let's talk about this final trailer a little bit. Who did we see? Who did we not see? What do we want to see? Are we tired of Star Wars? Mm, I want to say, possibly. <laughs> it's like, Last Jedi was kind of such a disappointment, but... I, I, it's like, I see it, I'm like, I'm still gonna fucking see this, whether I like it or not. They got you like, by the balls, man. I, I gotta see the wars, man. Yep, absolutely. I mean, and, and uh, you know, it's such a successful and big franchise on the mouse, you know, just has all the power, and I don't know. I mean, you know, seeing C-3PO and everything else, like, I kind of feel like this is going to be a very emotional Star Wars for us. I yeah, mean, that whole, like, uh, you know, what are you doing? I'm just taking one last look at my friend's. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, um, will I see it opening night? I'm not sure yet. You know, that's, that's right at Christmas. A lot of people are on vacation. Star Wars is huge. It's probably going to be packed. I'll probably see it opening night. Yeah. yeah it's Star Wars. <laughs> it's like, the wars, man. Yep, the guy sitting across from me will probably be into, like, hey, let's go see Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else... We can talk shit about it. Yeah. <laughs> ah, like so much in life. 
Okay, up next is um I got to say the the one cool part of that trailer the space opening the kind of the space battle scene where you see like the entire rebel fleet coming in. I was like that looks badass. And anyone who's a fan of Star Wars Rebels like they they showed the ghost in Rogue One. You saw the ghost, you saw Chopper just to the bottom right of the Falcon. It looks like the fucking ghost. Fucking, uh, you yeah. <laughs> know. So at least some of the crew is still kicking around the galaxy. So it's going to be, like, I kind of want to see uh, a live-action version of the of uh, the the Ghost crew uh, pop up. Yeah, That'd be kind of badass. Yeah, like, I'm, I don't know, man. I want to see more with, you know, scum and villainy and, you know, pirates and, you know. I'd like to see more of the huts, you know, yep. doing I gotta say the, like things, like. The <clears throat> well, I'll, you know, to allude to one of your your other stories coming up, fucking Mandalorian, man, like the new trailers for it is looking badass. I mean, I'm like, yep. Well, I'm, I mean, let's just go ahead and jump into it. I mean, um, so we're getting close. What we're alluding to here is the releasing of the Disney Plus streaming service, and um. Man, they have been hyping this thing. Uh, and I gotta say, and... that trailer for the Mandalorian looks more Star Wars than the, the the three new movies we've gotten. I mean, that looks more like classic Star Wars to me. I'm like, that's. I mean, there's a lot of shit announcements coming out on that Disney Plus, but that series alone is probably gonna get my twelve, fifteen dollars, whatever it is, because. I, I gotta see that shit. It just looks bad. It's like the Boba Fett film we've always wanted without Boba Fett, <laughs> but close enough. <laughs> but maybe, maybe there will be an appearance. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's set to launch November 12th. Um, I mean... And that's one of the titles that are going to be a... open. It's going to be on there. And a lot of the Marvel stuff's not coming out till next year, but that's one of the titles that will be available day one. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's going to be so much content. Like... It's really hard to say no. And that's what sucks with everybody having a proprietary property, you know? Disney, Apple, Netflix, Hulu, <laughs> Amazon, like That's like I saw a uh, a meme earlier and it was this guy like, you know, back in the day getting Netflix and it's like it's like, "Ah, this streaming stuff's pretty cool. I don't need you anymore, old friend." And he locks his like pirate hat in a, in a chest and then it shows it is like now and it's like exclusive content and it's like Apple, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, all these different ones, and it shows him like opening the uh, the trunk. Welcome back, old friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, very much. I mean, you know, because you know, to think about it realistically, at twelve to fifteen dollars a month, how much are you really saving on your cable bill? Now, yeah, if you're yeah. a sports fan, you know, or something like that, yeah, you're getting hit with a, a premium. But you know, like. You know, by the time you add it all up, you might be breaking even very soon. Yeah. You know, because, you know, ISPs and, you know, data overages and, you know, yeah, it's great that we're getting 4K and 1080p content. But, you know, ISPs are like, oh, we're going to start doing data caps and, you know, overages and stuff like that. So, I don't know. It's um a a delicate dancing game. Yeah, we got to figure out what the new uh, LimeWire is. <laughs> uh, all i can say friends is uh vpn vpn <laughs> uh i would not use vpn for nefarious purposes 
Um, okay, uh, moving right Quotation al- marks. Yeah. <laughs> right along. Uh, speaking of games, um, we got our final trailer for Jumanji, The Next Level. Uh, this is going to release... Oh, go figure. December 13th, 2019. <laughs> Actually, the first one of those movies that is like... <clears throat> I are the first of the rock <laughs> version of Jumanji. I like it. it was a real fun movie. I mean, we did the, we did an episode on that, and I, and I enjoyed it. And this one looks, I mean, just it, as fun. Yeah, I mean, it looks like you know some of the um, same principles apply. Looks like we're still going with the body swapping thing, um, which but... I like because it looks like we get from an acting standpoint. There's different people inhabiting the avatars. So as an actor they have to come up with a brand new personality and it's it's weird seeing you know the rock and kevin hart playing a different character this yes. time around it is kind of which now they're old men it's it's kind of amusing and it looks like the you know the the stakes have definitely been amped up i mean you know the the game master says that you know the stakes are higher this time not all will come back I guess we'll find out on December 13th uh, what actually happens. And but, The Rock, since he's inhabited by... I mean, but uh, it's just... like Whichever one of them is inhabited by uh, by Danny Glover has to say I'm getting too old for this shit at one point. Uh, it's like a must. I mean, it's it's PG-13, I'm assuming, so... I'm getting too old for this stuff, Riggs. Like, who the hell's Riggs? <laughs> it's like kind of the, the, that thing, you know, it's like you're killing me, Smalls, and the guy walks up, puts his arm around the kid, and the kid's like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Yeah, uh, I was your age when I said that line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was funny. Oh, but yeah, I mean, it, like the scale of these movies just look fucking immense. Like, yeah. I mean, just so much epicness occurring all at the same time. Like, I don't know. Looks looks kind of interesting. Um, up next is uh, something relatively new to my radar, and I'm not quite sure where I've been. Somewhere in La La Land. But uh, Code 8 is also set to release on December 13th. And... Starring a couple guys from the Arrowverse. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, Stephen Amill? I mean, that's... Uh... I mean, this is the last season of Arrow, so I guess he's he's getting back into theatrical stuff. <laughs> you know, Robbie Amill and uh, Brian Campbell, like... It look, it kind of has a cool like <clears throat> X Men vibe to it, like without being an X. I mean, movie. I definitely feel like it's going the the mutants route. You know, it's like, hey, these people have superpowers. Now we're going to let them kind of exist in society, but they're forbade to use any powers. And... Kind of remind me a little bit of that uh, uh, District Nine movie where it's like, you know, it looks like the government's kind of oppressing them. But yeah, it very much had a non-X-Men, X-Men feel to it. I don't know. I, I kind of got a, you know, Ocean's um, Eleven type vibe from yeah, this. Yeah, it's also like a like, crime movie you know, where with superpowers. Look like a, a heist film, and, you know, you add superpowers into a super heist, and you've got superpower super heist movie? film. <laughs> yeah. Yay! So, I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be kind of cool. So, uh, definitely great, you know, fans of uh, fantasy, sci-fi, and... You know, looks like it's, I don't know. I mean, you know, could this turn into a bigger project? Because it looks like it's going to be like a, you know, hour and 38 minute short film. So, who knows? Maybe <laughs> this thing turns. It's bad to the point that we've got now where hour 38 is considered a short film. <laughs> with everything going with that three hour mark lately. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and 
unfortunately, sometimes well, three hours is not needed. <laughs> um, all right, moving right along. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, we've got a sequel release date. We still don't know what it's titled, um, but it looks like... Spider-Man Into the Multiverse Deeper. <laughs> into the multi-multiverse. But, yeah, I mean... Um, which I dig that movie. Like, so I the the cinematics kind of yeah. threw me, which we talked about originally, but, I mean, all in all, it was a fun, enjoyable film, and... Yeah, because I expected a kid's film, and it was definitely much but, richer story yes. than I expected. It's just... I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm still having a very hard time with this clean, highly polished, you know, animation, <laughs> and it's like... Where's where's all the hand drawings? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if Rob Zombie can make his movie look like it was filmed in the seventies, can we make our animation look like it was done in the eighties, <laughs> <laughs> or at least the nineties, man? I'll I'll have him go that far. Yeah, I mean, you know, like <laughs> the animation of Saturday morning cartoons, you know, for the people that remember when those were a thing. Uh, but yeah, it looks like April eighth, twenty twenty, right now, according to Twitter. Hmm, we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. More to come on that when we know that there's more to come. Uh, whoa. Calm down now. <laughs> Calm down right now. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> so I've got people at the office that have not seen Super Troopers. What the hell is wrong yeah, with those people? So um, I broke out the, the right meow at an opportune moment. My manager, <laughs> <laughs> she, she sends an IM. She's like, what the hell? Do we have a cat? Like, <laughs> um, so needless to say, I got a group of like five people going, um, <laughs> trendsetter, I know, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I showed them the snippets of, you know, shenanigans also gets brought up. They, they didn't get that reference either, even though we keep saying shenanigans, evil shenanigans. Yes. So, um, Anyway, that that was their homework assignment was to go and uh, enjoy everything that is Super Troopers. So, absolutely, yeah, we, we've got to keep the the nerdiness and the the cult followings alive for for the other generations, for the people who haven't yet got to experience all that life has to offer. Nerds are here to bring it to you. All right, um, moving right along. So a little event was going on this weekend called BlizzCon. Can you tell me what BlizzCon is, Joe? Is that a celebration of cold weather? It is not. Because we just got that suddenly. and Georgia went from <laughs> summer to winter like overnight. Dude, one day we had like all like three seasons in one day. It was kind of crazy. It was like last episode we were sweating like... our nuts off in here, and now it's like, <laughs> oh, we're wearing hoodies again. This is awesome. I can conceal my guns better. Yay! <laughs> Concealment hoodies. It's... It's shoulder holster weather. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, BlizzCon is, uh, you know, there's a little gaming company called Blizzard, um, mainly Activision slash Blizzard now. Um, more Activision than Blizzard, considering a lot of those folks are no longer with Blizzard. But, uh, you know, I digress. Um, last year at BlizzCon, there was a uh, little bit of a uh, PR nightmare. You know, people were thinking, they, they, they did a little game called WoW. I'm sure you've heard of it. Wow. Uh, they did another little game from our childhood, which I was obsessed with, called Diablo. Um, also a good cigar. Yes. Um, Diablo and Diablo. Damn, I should smoke a Diablo. Well, that's really hard, though, because i got to use the mouse and the keyboards. Eh, that might not go too well. Probably be ashing <laughs> all over stuff. Um, anyway, um, mm. last year, 
they that, announced... that brings up an invention. Remember the beer hat? Yeah. You get like a cigar hat. It's like something that has like a little something that'll hold your cigar so it goes hands free. Hmm. Hands free cigar smoking. Maybe we should just become like Uber ballers and you know, people <laughs> volunteer to hold our cigars. There we go. <laughs> it's like win the lottery, I'm gonna hire a cigar caddy. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, last year at BlizzCon, um, people thought that we were getting a major Diablo announcement, which we did. Turns out that that announcement was for a mobile game. Um, people in the U.S. don't rely on mobile games near as much as people, you know, in other parts of the world. Um, so you can see that that was not received with overwhelming uh, positivity. Uh, especially when the CEO came up and said, why are you all booing? Do you not have cell phones? <laughs> like dicks, probably not a great, you know, great thing for your fan base. Right. So this year at BlizzCon, um, we got a announcement trailer in the form of like a nine minute cinematic. Um, Saturday, we got some actual gameplay footage and, at some point, Diablo is going to be released. Um, it's supposed to be for current-gen consoles, so, I mean, with the PS5 already being announced and everything, uh, hopefully no more than a year or so away, but I guess time will tell. That's all I got. And let me end with a recommendation. Uh, I just watched uh, Woo Assassins on Netflix. If you're a fan of badass martial arts movies... Now i got to subscribe to Netflix again? I thought we were going to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> well, before you cancel your Netflix, you know, watch Woo Assassins. It's st- storyline's kind of convoluted, but had some badass action sequences. So it, it, it kept me entertained for 10 The episodes. only thing I can say to that is, woo. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a fan of Sons of Anarchy, Chibs is like the main bad guy. So it's kind of cool seeing him uh, doing things again. And with that, check us out on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network at ESO Net- ESO Podcast. Fuck, what's the damn website now? <laughs> ESO Network.com. There you go. It changed. Yeah, ESO Network.com. Not the ESO Network, but ESO Network.com. <laughs> you can also check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Music, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cigar Nerd Pod. Get your energy at StrikeForceEnergy.com. Use the promo code Cigar Nerds. Get your shirts at RealMenSmokeCigars.com. And with that, tootie fucking fruity. We miss you, Sid. And this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We are your hosts, Smoking Joe and Brad Jackson. Join us next time for more adventures in nerddom. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network. Your station for all things geek.